the Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 654, for Sunday, April 23rd, 2017. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Observers, Mac Geek Out, the show where you send in, what is it? Yes, your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. The goal, of course, being that we all learn at least four new things every single time that we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, where at bombfell.com slash MGG, you get 25 bucks off of this awesome personal styling service. And that's all I'm going to say. I'll tell you, well, it's not all I'm going to say. It's all I'm going to say right now. You have to listen because we'll talk more about that later. Harry's where at harrys.com slash MGG, you get a free trial of their awesome razors. We'll talk about that. And Bitbucket. We're at bitbucket.org slash for the code. You get a free Bitbucket account and a free Bitbucket repository. So you got to check that out. We'll talk more about all of that later in the episode here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton here. Fearful Connecticut. John Brown. Good morning. And, uh, and being that today is Sunday, April 23rd. Happy birthday, my friend. <laughs> I got that right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also Shakespeare's birthday. So. Well, Hey, you know, that's right. That's right. I mean, there's somebody has to be number two and, and old Bill, he's perfect for that. Right. I mean, in terms of most important birthdays on, on April 23rd. Right. I mean, having Bill Shakespeare as your number two, that's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. He did some good stuff. Yeah. You know, yep. Uh, so folks, we are actually recording this one day early. So I'm wishing John happy birthday uh, in, uh, in advance. We had some scheduling things. So, but still, it's coming out on the uh, the twenty third. Um, let's uh, let's just dive right in, shall we, John? And uh, and and get get right to this because we have a lot to go through. So Bill starts us off with a quick tip. Bill says, "I'm catching up on my podcast, and I just listened to Mac Geekab six fifty one, and want to come." Oh, 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 wait! I, I promised myself I wasn't going to do this. He says, "There was, was he just had a comment." His quick tip is, "I noticed." That when I now take a picture within the messages app on my iPhone, it no longer saves that photo to my camera roll on the photos app. This is different. And this behavior started with iOS 10. And he's right. It doesn't save it to your camera roll. You can choose to save it to your camera roll. But pictures taken inside of the messages app with that little portal viewer camera thing that exists there. Only live within the messages app, but though you can, you can tap them and choose to save them. So there you go. You know, right. Good, Good stuff. Time. I know. I like it. Also a, uh, a last minute quick tip addition from our chat room here at MacGeekab.com slash stream. Alex re- reminded us all uh, about how much he loves and that we have multiple undos in the finder. And this has been there a while, but it's one of those things that if you know about it, you probably take it for granted and you just don't think about the fact that you can continue undoing most things back in the chain. Uh, and if you don't know about it, 
really handy. Move a file, rename a file, delete a file. As long as you haven't emptied the trash, that's tougher to undo. Uh, the uh, command Z, right back up the chain. It's good stuff. Right, John? Yeah. I didn't know that. I know. You've well, probably, really you've probably mistakes, done it. So. Oh, oh, right. Of course. Right. So I don't need to undo. Well, well with you. Yeah. Sometimes you fumble finger something. And yeah. you're like, oh, no. Well, I, I assume with the wisdom that comes with your advanced age, my friend, you would you would never make a mistake. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, OK. And uh, and, uh, and and so I guess I, I can call you my old friend. And I mean that in uh, in in all the ways. So there you go. Joe has a cool stuff found for us. He says uh, it's duplicati. He says you all, I think, will love this. It's open source backup software with encryption and compression, uh, but lots of Mac Geekab centric features. Powerful yet free and open source. Duplicati. D U P L I C A T I dot com. Um, and and Joe wrote us this huge summary about it. But uh, to to encapsulate this. It encrypts as it backs up, uh, as it has its own restore engine. So storage options for the backup can be much more flexible, easy options to link directly to cloud storage vendors or to your own remote servers. Uh, it has a command line interface options for uh, Windows, Mac or Linux or an easy GUI. So scripting it would be very easy if you want to use command line stuff. He says the current version, version 2.0, now uses block storage process, which is user adjustable. Very cool. So that you don't have to back up entire large files. It just chunks them up into blocks. Um, and an easy option to exclude, include folders, file types, hidden systems, all that stuff. Very granular options. Has its own scheduler. And he says, did I mention Duplicati is free? So very, very cool stuff. Thanks for uh, for sharing that with us, Joe. So there you go. Free backup software. And then you have to pick your own backup destination. But again, uh, you may have that with your own devices kind of spread around or you can you know go get storage. So Duplicati. Very, very cool. Thanks for thanks for sharing that with us. I had never heard of it. Had you heard of Duplicati before, John? No, no. See, we learned. There it is. We learned something new. I like it, man. It's good. It's good. I have a uh, a cool stuff found that I uh, that I want to share. It's called the, or they are called, it's headphones. I guys can't speak today. That's bad. I blame Barry Falk. I had uh, a theater show last night, and then Barry came and and hung out afterwards. So I was out later than I normally would have been. But Plantronics Backbeat Pro Two headphones. These are wireless Bluetooth headphones. Can also be wired. They have uh, their their over the ear headphones, um, which I, I don't like the on the ear ones quite so much. I like them either in the ear or over the ear, but not on my ear. If that makes sense, uh, hopefully those distinctions are are self evident. Um, these Backbeat two, Pro Twos they sound stellar. They um, they're very lightweight. The active noise canceling in them is so good that when I brought them back to the house to have everybody else test them and see how they fit my wife's ears, she's very particular about the types of things that she will put on her ears or, or in her ears. And so 
she's always my litmus test for for the comfort level of headphones after i've decided yeah they sound good enough maybe i'll talk about them on the show i want to do all this well here's what happened she left for china yesterday morning with my son on this school trip that uh, that i mentioned about a month ago and the headphones left with her so you know i think that's pretty much a testament to their comfort and use she texted me actually from the airplane last night that she loved the way these things sounded and killed all the ambient noise and all of that stuff. Really, really cool stuff. 200 bucks for, uh, for these things. So I, I wanted to mention them backbeat pro two headphones from Plantronics. I highly recommend them. You can get them at Amazon or you know, whatever. We'll put a link in the show notes. Cause that's what we do. Yeah, John. Good questions. Keep on trucking. Huh, I'll have to look at those. Yeah. Never yeah. been a fan of, Bluetooth ear things, though. Well, I mean, it, it, right. So Bluetooth headphones are going to have whatever sound limitations Bluetooth imposes when you're connected Bluetooth. Mm. But um, but you can also plug these things in directly if you if you so choose. But uh, but they sound good. I, I mean, and they sound good on Bluetooth as well. They, you know, the sound quality is actually quite, quite good. And I'm kind of picky about that stuff. It's good stuff. So yesterday, while I was trying to uh, get the show prepped for uh, for us and for you, I was getting, as often happens, this is not a complaint. It's just an observation. I get text messages from friends to, you know, and family members to help solve their technical issues because it's what it's what I do. And people know that that's what I do. And uh, and there were so many of them going on yesterday that I figured I'd include some in the show because it was impeding me from prepping the show. And I realized it's not impeding me at all. I'm prepping the show. Here we go. So uh one thing I want to point out is if you are using a, especially a third party calendar like BusyCal or something like that, you may not know that you need to change your, your iCloud credentials. If you've reset your password or something, uh, BusyCal may or may not be able to log back in and it may not tell you that it's not logging in. And in fact, I had a friend yesterday who was saying, Hey, didn't, didn't we have something scheduled? And I said, yeah. And I looked on all of my calendars and sure enough, it was synced to everything. So I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's in iCloud. It's syncing. It said, is your iCloud not syncing? He's like, no, of course it's syncing. Fine. I said, well, can you check? And he, and I, I said, just, you know what, go type in the username and password again into busy. Cause he says, I use busy Cal on my Mac. And then he said, well, wait, it's appearing on my iPhone. I'm like, oh, okay. So iCloud's working. It's just you have one client that's not connecting. And sure enough, he went in and entered his credentials again into BusyCal. And, you know, and then he said, as soon as he entered him, he said, it's still not here. And then he said, never mind. Wait, there it is. Because, of course, it takes a minute to sync everything and, and pull it all down. So just a reminder, BusyCal makes it pretty easy if you look for it to see that there's a problem. You look next to whatever the calendar provider is, like Google or iCloud or whatever you have in their exchange. And uh, it would have a little triangle saying i'm having some sort of problem so anyway that's um there you go but that's one of my tips john any thoughts on that before we move on we're moving here i like it well i ran into that earlier with messages when i changed my uh, icloud password i think uh yeah i I was expecting to get a, a handoff message on my mac and i'm like why is it not sending it here and then i looked and i was logged out of messages because i changed my password yeah yeah, it's, remind it's me. Not, it's like, it doesn't remind you the way you, you would you would expect it to. That's right. 
and with all of these changes that we've been making, either enabling two factor and of course, if you or, or just changing your iCloud password. But if you enable two factor, then you have to for third party apps like BusyCal, you have to go into iCloud on the Web and create what's called a one time use or an application specific password. I guess application specific is is what they call it. And then that's what you plug in inside of BusyCal, not your normal password. And that's because it's not a limitation of BusyCal. It's a limitation of iCloud. Apple does not provide a way for third-party apps to do two-factor authentication for iCloud. So that's actually a security hole that Apple still creates. Um, you know, if you add a Google calendar to BusyCal, then it it you do get that full two-factor experience to log in using a you know essentially oauth but um but apple does not provide that for third parties i have no idea why but that's just i I, that's apple's thing right there you go that's how how it works all right and then uh another question was uh, a friend was asking me how uh, he, he said look my computer hasn't slept in days and I said, well, that's not good. We all need our sleep. He says, yeah, I get to my desk every morning and, and the computer's awake. And so I offered him a couple of suggestions. The first is restart your Mac. It, there, there is some process running on your computer that has decided to keep your Mac awake. And sometimes a restart will just solve that. And then you, you don't have to worry about it. But if a restart doesn't, or if it comes back, there is a command line uh, incantation that you can type, but it's very, very simple. It's PM set space dash G. That's um, Papa Mary Sierra Echo Tango PM set and then dash G dash George. Uh, and uh, what that will do is you'll see an output that lists all kinds of things about the power management and the settings for the power management on your Mac. One of them will be named sleep and you might see so next to sleep you'll see a number that's the number of minutes that your mac will wait before going to sleep that's fine what you want to do is look to see if there's something in parentheses after that that says sleep prevented by and then that's going to list processes right now on my mac i think i have uh eight core audio d processes impeding sleep and that's just because of all the various things that I have to do the podcast audio in to me, you know, from me audio out to you, John audio out to the stream, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all of those, but, um, and yeah, people in the chat room are posting that core audio D is preventing sleep for them. And that's because they're streaming the audio from this chat. So your, your computer knows, Oh yeah, if I'm doing something where I'm playing audio or recording audio, I shouldn't go to sleep. So that can give you a hint as to what's going on. Any thoughts on that, John? Hmm. And I also seem to recall, I think because they, they changed the console, but I, I seem to recall that if you look in the console, that also gives, uh, at one point, that also gave a reason. Yeah, the console's but, uh, different now, you know. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make me happy, but... um, It's actually kind of cool. Um, I, I gave a, a, a talk on the, about the console to, um, to the folks at Mac tech pro earlier this month, uh, right earlier this month. I think so. Yeah. And, and to do that talk, I had to learn a little bit more about the new console. It's, it's quite a bit different 
than the Sierra console uh, or than the uh, the El Capitan console, but it's not it's not awful. I'll prep some of that stuff and we can we can we'll add that as a topic for a, a future show because I want to I want to wrap my head around it again before I talk to you folks about it. But uh, it's not so bad. But yeah, well, here it is. If, if if you search, yeah. So the thing is that you'll also see in the console, though you may have to again go through some gyrations now to find this. But um, you'll see a message from the kernel giving a reason that the computer woke. Are you seeing? Are you uh, seeing this in Sierra or in um, in El Capitan? Because I know you you still run one of each, right? No, no, I'm 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 on the latest. Oh, you're full Sierra. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just doing a. Yeah, I'm just doing a Google on a. Yeah, I just did a Google on a console wake reason. Got and, it. Um, and you will see. Yeah, but I think you have to use. Um, what's that utility? They have a utility now that'll tear through the uh, console and. Show uh, you yes, and I can. Things. That's one of the things I want to remember. Oh, why can't I think of it? It's like logarithmic or something, but it's that's not it. It's um, yeah. Anyway, well. We aren't, we aren't going to come up with it right away, but we will come up with it. I promise. We'll tell you before the end of the show, perhaps even. But yeah, there's a tool that you can use to do better things in the console. So cool. All right. Con- consolation. Consolation. I told you. It's like logarithmic. I see it right here. Yeah, go. I think you could use that to tear through your console and uh, yeah, and search for wake and you'll see a secret code that tells you why your computer woke up. Or didn't sleep, I guess. Right. 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 Yep. Consolation. We'll put a I'll put a link in the show notes now that we have uh now that we have the the name and all of that good stuff. All right. Uh we do have a I believe a geek challenge, and look unless you have the magic answer, Mr. Braun, and then of course if you do, that's even better. But um Sushil writes, he says, I believe it was one of your podcasts where you turned me on to an app called Desk Connect. If not, my apologies. No, it was us. He says, it was a nice app that allowed you to drop something from your Mac to your iPhone through a desktop app and vice versa. I just learned that the service was discontinued last month. A real bummer. I was wondering if you were aware of any apps that may be similar and act as a replacement. Cloud systems are not quite as user friendly uh, as this app was. I'm looking forward to any comments. And Sushil is correct. Uh, Unfortunately, Desconnect was what I'll call collateral damage in Apple's acquisition, acquire of the entire team there. That's the team that makes Workflow. And when Apple acquired Workflow, they acquired the entire company and Desconnect got shut down. Uh, The Desconnect folks on their website say they suggest AirDrop, Handoff and Universal Clipboard. But, you know, they're Apple employees now. I don't it, I, it they could not recommend anything third party. Um, it, it would it would be surprising if they did. Right. And and I'm sure this was just part of the deal with the with the acquisition. So I don't know of anything else that does what Desk Connect used to do. I mean, AirDrop is supposed to, but um, it's never quite exactly what you want. So I don't know of anything. Do you? John? Uh, again, I broke out the Google Foo and uh, uh, let's see, Dropler, D-R-O-P-L-R is one suggestion, uh-huh. and Files. Though I haven't tried either one of them, so I'll have to give those a whirl. All right. 
I'll put them. Uh, I'll put them there. That's pretty good. And what was the other one you said? Uh, let's see. End files. Hmm. How, how? What's the URL for that? Uh, let's see. Andy in the chat room says push bullet. I forgot about push bullet. Yeah. That might be the magic answer to this solution here. I forgot all about push bullet. That's why we do this the way we do it. Thank you so much, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll put that one there. What was the, uh, what was this other one? N file N F I L E N files N files N F I L E S. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, all right. You'll, I'll you'll, you'll out. add it to the show notes. There you go. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's right. I forgot about push bullet. I never heard about dropler before. And I never heard about end files. So cool stuff. I like it. All right, John. Uh, actually, you know what I want to do? I want to talk about our sponsors. I'm, I'm pretty excited about, uh, about these folks here. Does that, does that work for you, my friend? Uh, the, just this one. Okay. All right. Three sponsors for you today. The first two for you. And then the last one is for your business. So we'll start with Bombfell. B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash M-G-G is where you go to experience this. It's a fantastic. It's a personal styling service for men. Now, you're going to say, Dave, what does that mean? What that means is you get a personal dedicated stylist that helps you pick out clothes that work for you. And then they ship you these clothes. You have a week to try them on, see if you like them. And if you like any of the items that they send, you keep them and pay for those. And the ones you don't like, you send back. And it's free shipping in both directions. Of course, right? That's how this thing works. And it's fully personalized. Like I have a dedicated stylist. His name is Will. He and I message back and forth inside the Bombfell app, but they have an iOS app or you can do it on the web, of course, at Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash M-G-G. And, uh, and, you know, so I answered some really simple questions at first. My height, my weight, yeah, you know, some general sizing stuff. And then, um, and, and just some general, like, information about me so that will who was assigned to me by Bombfell, could help me pick out some clothes will sends me his uh suggestions for me in an in an email or in a message i get to see them i get to see nah, no that's not for me or wow that looks great and then they send them but i'm still not committed to anything until i actually get it and try it on and it's an iterative process because i get to test this stuff and say okay hey right so the, the the shirt that you sent me is great. The jeans, I don't know what it is about them. They don't fit right. Uh, and the, the sweater was too short or something like that. And so I keep the shirt. I send the jeans and the sweater back. And then if I want, Will selects new jeans and sweater and sends those to me again for the same thing. There's no commitment here unless I want to keep something. Now, I keep saying bombfell.com, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash M-G-G. Why? Because we've partnered with them to save you 25 bucks off your first order. So visit bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash M-G-G and get started today. It's a total blast. You're going to love it. I certainly do. Our thanks to Bombfell for sponsoring this episode. The second sponsor for you is Harry's. 
Harry's makes the best razors I've ever used, hands down. I don't know what it is that they do specifically, but I know that they care about what they make and it shows the, the really the surprisingly amazing part about it is how inexpensive these things are compared to anything else on the market. Harry's is like half the price of what I would expect to pay and what I did pay for these things prior. It's amazing. And they're so good and they last a long time. I don't know if Harry's likes me saying that or not, but it's true. They do. And you'll find it out, too. It's fantastic. I love these things. I get the closest shave that I've ever gotten. And it's just fantastic. When I travel now, I used to bring an electric razor with me when I traveled because I felt like that was more convenient. Not anymore. I just travel with my Harry's razor and, you know, a little tube of shave cream or shave gel, which also you can get from Harry's. You got to check this stuff out. And so here's the deal. You can do it for free. Visit harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com slash M-G-G to get your free trial set. Now, you do have to pay for shipping. So that's three bucks U.S. So, you know, three bucks and you get a razor handle, a set of blades and some of that shave gel and a travel blade cover, which is a handy thing to have if you're traveling. So three bucks gets you that gets you started and then you can see if you like it or not. That's it. So it's it's a free trial set. Like like I said, you pay three bucks for shipping. Visit Harry's dot com. H.A.R.R.Y.S. dot com slash M.G.G. right now and sign up for it. They'll send it to you and then uh, you can decide if you want to go from there. It's fantastic stuff. I think you will. Harry's dot com slash M.G.G. Our thanks to Harry's for sponsoring this episode. All right. Last one here is for you coders out there. Let's be honest, right? Your code is your world. You create it, you tweak it, you obsess over it because that's what we do. So you want to make sure you store your code in the right place. And that's why the team at Atlassian created Bitbucket. Bitbucket is the Git solution for teams helping I think they've got like, you know, over 5 million developers using this. It's fantastic. I've used it for projects. It's stellar the way it just works. They have the world's best pull request algorithm. They have built-in continuous delivery and integrations with all your favorite tools like Docker, AWS, Azure, Slack. And of course, because Bitbucket comes from Atlassian, You have Jira integration, which means you can have customers tracking your bugs and all of that feature request stuff that Jira is so good at. And it links right in with Bitbucket so that you can tie it all together. Here's what you can do to get your free repository. Go to bitbucket.org slash for the code F-O-R-T-H-E-C-O-D-E and you get a free account. And this way you can just start using it. Doesn't cost you anything. You're right in. You're using an awesome Git solution that is stellar, bar none. So try it now. Bitbucket.org slash for the code F-O-R-T-H-E-C-O-D-E to start up your free repository today. Our thanks to Atlassian and Bitbucket for sponsoring this episode. And where are we? I know where we are. Got something very important to talk about here, Dave. Very important, and uh, it's, a, it's a question from uh, from Dennis. 
All right, take us to Dennis, man. And uh, first he says, hi. Oh, and he's now a premium member again. That's good. Though he uh, he seems to have sent this to feedback at MacGeekApp.com, Dave. Wait, he sent it to, he's a premium listener and he sent it to feedback at MacGeekApp.com? Yes, he, he sent it to feedback at MacGeekApp.com. Huh. But, well, as a premium listener, he should have sent that to premium at MacGeekApp.com. Yes, he should have. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but here's the question. I would like to set up my notifications on my iPhone, iPad, and iMac to just display email messages from my VIPs. I've looked into all the obvious areas, and I'm unable to find this option. I use the basic mail app created by Apple. Even though it is very frustrating, I have been to all the system preferences in both Notification Center and the mail app. I can't imagine this can't be done. Can you help? Yes, I can help. So it's kind of buried, but um, I dug them up and here we go. On iOS, you want to go to settings, notifications, mail, and you'll see a VIP choice. Mac OS, it's a little different in that you go into mail, preferences, general new message notifications and there's a vip choice so i have a follow-up question mr braun because yeah, i, I do know this. what it's going to be and i can't <laughs> i i can i can i think i know the answer to my follow-up question but i do this on ios and on my mac and it is it, it, if you get a lot of email coming in only getting notifications from VIPs is a great way to sort of, you know, separate the, the little bit of the noise. So I have like you as a VIP, John, and I have, you know, my family as VIPs and various other people. And then that way I, I only see notifications about email on my phone from that, but I obsessively check my email anyway. So I don't miss email from other people. These just happen to kind of float to, uh, to top of mind. If I happen to, excuse me, if I happen to look at my notifications, but the question that I have, John, how do I add you to my VIP list once I've said to my phone, only notify me for VIP? I'm trying to find that. I, I thought it was in contacts. I can't find it. So the way the way I always do it is I do it from within mail and I just tap on I go into a message and on iOS, I tap on the person's name and then <sighs> right there at the top, you get an option uh, to say, well, it's not at the top. It's at the top of the list of options, but you get an option that says add to VIP. And, uh, and you can do the same thing on the Mac too. And just, you know, uh, click on the little drop down next to the person's name. And you can also remove them from VIPs in that, in that same way. So yeah, I thought you could do it in contacts, but it doesn't look like you can. It looks like you have to do it within mail. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that. Can I? Yeah, can't do it in context, right? No, it's it's just a mail thing. So there you go. But it, but it does sync with context because if you add someone as a VIP on one device, it that pro and you sync via iCloud, it propagates to all of your devices. So there you go. Good stuff, man. I like it. That's you know that's that's kind of to me that falls into the quick tip category because. It, it's that type of thing that once you start doing it, it, it fundamentally changes what you do, but you stop thinking about the fact that it's doable. It, like if that's not, if somebody said, what are the 10 things you do on your Mac that you couldn't live without? And if you had you know, to set up again from scratch, you would do immediately. This is totally one of those, but I wouldn't think about it because it's just automatic now. So that 
I love it when this kind of stuff comes up. So thank you, Dennis. Thanks, John. You want to take us to Andrew? Yeah. Andrew's got a, a good, uh, little cookie here, I think. Um, and he says, as a checklist item, I regularly export keychains out of keychain access and can then import them into a new computer via keychain access. So I don't huh. lose that data. It's a good idea. Um, I imagine over time it may become unruly. However, I can always store them in a safe place in the event that I may need to unlock or decrypt something down the line. I've been doing this for a while now for exactly the reasons you mentioned. This is an area often overlooked when backups are being considered and you will not have any of the keychains unless you do a complete clone of your hard drive as it's not an area you would think to back up. In fact, I have no idea where the data to the keychains are stored. Ha huh. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> and I looked into this once. And as far as I can tell, Dave, there are not one, not two, but three places where keychain data is stored. Really? And they are. Yeah. Check it out. So the first is your home directory yeah. slash library slash keychains. Totally. Yeah. The second place is slash library slash keychains. Okay. So just hard drive library keychains. Top level. Yeah. And then the third that I found, and, and at least on one of my systems, there was data in all of them. And the third one is slash system slash library slash keychains. Okay, so I'm I'm with you on the first two and on the next one I need to look because generally things in system library are provided by the OS and would not need would would never change. So as long as you get to the the, the same OS, you would have those same keychains. And I think that's actually true. I'm looking at, at mine here and I I think they are static, um, not user modifiable. Right. Yeah. So, um, but that answers the question. Yeah. Where's the keychain data? Stored? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I told you, you're right. Th yes. If you want to know where the data for all your keychains is, that's totally where it is in terms of backing it up. Uh, I don't think you'd need to back up the system library one. And I'm looking in the library one to see if I would recommend backing it up. Um, I don't know that you need. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, mean, I would. Is I'd looked. back that up. The system keychain. That's where your. Um, so, so the one that's in library keychains, um, not system library keychains, but library keychains, i.e. the one not in your home directory, that one contains your airport logins and that kind of stuff if they're stored uh, on your Mac. So yeah, I would, I, I would back that one up for sure. That, that gets user data yeah. that I would call user data. Yeah. And clearly those get backed up if you do a clone, like with Carbon Copy Cloner. But I also verified that Time Machine does also um, back uh, those up. Because Time good. Machine doesn't back up all data. No. I know there's a list somewhere. I don't know where it is off the top of my head. But there's a list of things it doesn't back up. And it's typically stuff that you don't really need to back up, like yeah. caches and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. So, um can't hurt to you know put those somewhere else um as, as we've discussed in the past it's always good to make not one not two but probably three backups yeah of right. anything in case it gets destroyed yep especially keychains keychains are pretty important i think so yeah for sure all right we got another one here dave all, all right. right so i think we're done with that yep so we have a question from Daniel. 
Daniel says, I'm ready to ask if you think a Netgear JG S524NA 24 port gigabit Ethernet switch purchased in August of 2014 is too old for a modern network. Is the software firmware hardware outdated in any way? Uh, my humble opinion is it looks like it's a fine gigabit yeah. switch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 2014 is, is fairly new. I mean, it's a supported model, you know, so I search for it. I see it on Netgear's site. Um, the only comment I would have, so this is a gigabit unmanaged, or I don't know if I'd say dumb, but not smart switch. Right. So all you're going to get out of an unmanaged switch is, I mean, it's certainly going to get the data moving around at gigabit speeds, but you're not really going to get anything beyond that. So since you have it already, I mean, yeah, it, it'll... It should do what's advertised. It'll move your data around yeah. gigabit speeds. But, you know, if I had to purchase one, Dave, um, for a little extra coin, now the thing is it's probably one of their least expensive 24-port switches. If I was going to get a switch, a gigabit switch, and actually, I think these days now, uh, 10 gigabit is uh, coming into fashion. But for most people, I think gigabit, you know, do the trick. Yep. Um. You may want to consider something called a managed switch. Well, there's a, there's a few names for it, Dave. Smart uh, some switch, call it managed, right? and some call it smart. And actually, this is what I did when um you know when I had to buy an A port switch, I actually got a TP TP Link. Uh, where the heck is it? What model was it here? The uh, you'll put it in the show notes. It's a it's a sixteen yeah, port a or T an eight port. Uh, it's an eight port. Okay, it's a TLSG one hundred eight E, and it's smart. And that you can do a lot of things with it. So one, a lot of things smart switches will do is let you see what's happening on the network in greater detail. So like this one will show, you know, the amount of data going in, going out, errors, stuff like that. You can So, yeah. So I, I'm I'm curious here because you you are always the proponent of smart switches. And um, and I've always been sort of dismissive of that, to be perfectly frank. But why, why would I need I, I have switches everywhere in my house. It, it having a smart one, what what good is that going to do me? So birthday boy, I ask, what is the benefit? Like what what do you, what do you actually like? What's the use case where you say, thank goodness I have a smart switch and here's why you should have one. Is it just to be geeky or does it actually help? Well, I think it also so this one. So number one, it can give you it can report. You know what's happening on each each uh each port on the switch so you could identify so okay. for example it has like a cable test so it can say so one thing you could see for example is errors you know transmission errors okay um, that could help you identify um, a failing or bad cable like you know when you had um, yeah yeah you, know, you had your uh cat the or cat something thing. no i i'm right no this is why i'm asking this question right exactly so if you had a smart switch um or at least this brand it would say, hey, you know, there's something with your cable. So it does like an electrical test or, or huh. also you could see that there were, you know, errors at some point. Yeah. Now, um, will it send you an alert? Like, is there can I get like an iOS app that's, that says, dude, problem switch, um, go. Right. Like, because that sounds because it's a it's generally not an insignificant amount of money to, to go up to a, a smart switch. Right. It, I mean, it's you're paying I mean, an extra 30 to 50 percent generally. Well, I mean, 
you know, this one I got, I think it's like 40 bucks I mean, for an eight port. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not terribly expensive. No, um, I guess not. This yeah. one, this particular one does not proactively send alerts though. The, uh, you know, I'm sure other brands would, or if I sure. search the, they probably do have one. Okay. The other thing is that this one had a proprietary version. One of this had a proprietary, uh, a Java app you had to run. The, yeah. The right. I remember you talking now, about that. Yeah. The newer ones now are web-based. Okay. Um, another thing is that it can do, uh, port aggregation. So sure. for example, you I, can do I that able, with non, with non managed switches too, though. Um, I, yeah. I have many of them that do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So most will do that automatically. This one, you know, I had to say, okay, bond these two ports and make them look like one. And then my Synology, I said, okay, you know, I plugged it in and it's like, okay, good. Right. Um, huh. Can you, I mean, can you do like, can you do some, the, like prioritization of ports like does your oh that's another one yeah so there's so okay. it has some rudimentary qos as well or quality of service yeah so you could you could um yeah you you, you can define quality of service and uh say okay you know this you know prioritize this traffic over that traffic yeah um yeah cool. i don't have this i don't have the software up in front of me here but um yeah but but i mean that's the generally the type of stuff okay Cause I, yeah, I mean, I see it. And, and also because I run all kinds of Sonos stuff in my house and Sonos absolutely relies on what's uh, uh, something called spanning tree protocol, STP, uh, because it builds a wireless and wired mesh. And so STP is this thing that looks at all the paths two devices have to get to each other, because when you have both wired and wireless, you might have the ability for two devices to talk over parallel paths. And STP helps to decide which one should be the path that sends data so you don't create a loop. And I've had it where a switch will block the STP packets, but doesn't block anything else. And then, of course, you run into a problem because now it's creating a loop because things don't know. And uh, and so I know that some managed switches allow you to set those specific options and say, no, turn on STP. This is a good thing. So, yeah, interesting. All right. All right. You might have me sold on this, John. The next time I have to buy a switch, I might, I might go managed. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I'm looking on Amazon here. You can get, you know, a Netgear six. I, I'm looking at 16 port switches because that's generally kind of where I, I need to buy something for the locations that I have switches, but you know, you can get a Netgear one for 110 bucks, managed 16 port Zizel for 70 bucks. Actually, there's a Netgear. I don't know if this one is managed or not, but there's a Netgear one for 70 and it says it's managed. But so, okay. So somewhere it's not, it's not terribly expensive, but it's not the 50 bucks that I paid for my, my current switch, but that's okay. You know? It's, uh, yeah. yeah. And I have kind of a hybrid setup in that. Um, the, the other thing that this did for me when I was having problems with my transporter and it was, it was blasting my network with, with traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my dumb switch uh, got overwhelmed. You remember we had yeah. a broadcast where all of a sudden I, I died. You know, I, I went away because my network got saturated with traffic from this. Uh, I suspect it was from the transporter, or at least I thought it was because when I, you know, unplugged it and plugged it back in, the problem went away. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's safe. Bet. But also, what a lot of these uh, smarter switches will do is prevent that sort of thing, and that they'll identify a misbehaving device and say, "All right, I'm." Cutting you off, man. Huh. 
because I never had that problem once I got this smart switch and that it was able to detect that this thing was misbehaving and, and isolated. Huh. All right. I'm in. Yeah. All right. That's cool. So, so, but, uh, but like, but I have the smart switch and then actually what I have plugged into it because I uh, ran out of ports is I actually have the dumb, uh, basic switch sure. plugged into that to, to give me some more ports. All right. I'm in. I, 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 yeah. And I mean, even if you want to go, like I have the, my, um, I guess it's a, what is it? A, a TP link switch that I have that I use now. I, I forget. I got to look, but you know, I think that one cost me 60 bucks. It wasn't 50. And so for 10 bucks more, it's really not that much. Oh, I have TrendNet. that those are the ones I'm running. I have these, mm-hmm. these trend net 16 port switches that actually have been working great, but they're, they're dumb switches. So, all right. Next time I have to buy a switch, I'm, I'm going to get a managed switch and I'm going to, I'm going to dip my toe into these waters. My friend, I want to, well, I want to talk about VPNs because, uh, we have a lot of questions from you about VPNs and, and we have a lot to say about VPNs. Some of those questions come from premium listeners and some come from regular listeners and, and that's all fine. Uh, but I do want to take a minute as we have started doing to thank the premium listeners that contributed this week. And, uh, and so I will start with those in the biannual $25 every six month group. That is Steve R. Thank you. Laura S. Thank you. Scott C, Thomas S, Dennis F, Ward J, Deborah F. Thank you to all of you. You rock. And then four of you in the monthly uh, $10 a month category. John V, Stephen A, Ken L, and Nick S. Uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, I do have a question for all of you. I The way I've been doing this is we've obviously been saying first name, last uh, initial. I do that to, you know, protect people's privacy. Do you care? Should I say, would you like me to say your full name? I guess that's really the thing um, because this is about you. So let us know. And of course you can email us premium at geekab.com. So let us know would you, if you would like us to say your full name or if, if you would prefer to remain mildly anonymous. So there you go. Thank you to all of you. If you want to learn about Mac Geekab Premium, you can visit us on the web, MacGeekab.com. There's a big link right there. If you want to go even one step further, MacGeekab.com slash premium will bring you right there. Then you can learn all about it. It is not mandatory, as you know. It's only if you care. Uh, that's the wrong word. It's only. I was going to say only if you care to support us directly. Only if you wish to support us directly. I know you care about us. We care about you. We love you. Um, so care was the wrong word to use. It's only if you wish to support us directly. There you go. Because um, I know we have care in all directions here. Didn't, uh, didn't mean to imply otherwise. Okay. So let's talk about VPNs. And uh, we might as well just start with Robert. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure of the right order to do this. But Robert says, uh, you were recommended as an excellent source of information I am looking for a top rated VPN service for my home business to become invisible and undetectable when online. Any thoughts? So, yeah, I, there are a few options. Um, there's there's commercial VPNs. Uh, many have been recommended. The one that keeps that I have yet I have yet to test, but keeps being recommended is one called Astral, A-S-T-R-I-L-L, um, that lots of people seem to really like. But I also like ProXPN. Uh, quite a bit. In fact, I also like Tunnel Bear. 
I also like cloak. Um, John, do we have, do you have any other favorites that I neglected to mention? Hmm. Well, there's my own. Well, I'm going to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, I'm just talking about right. commercial services. Yeah, exactly. Out of those. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, I think I'm a tunnel bear fan. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. Like I'm, them. Just because they're cross platform. So it's both on iOS. And right. On all, I, all of the ones I mentioned are cross platform for sure. I, and, and I mean, iOS, Mac, Windows, you know? Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Um, you can so those are all what I would call cloud VPN services where it you know it, you're connecting to someone else's service and obviously you know you pay them for that. Actually, some of them uh, have either free trials. Tunnelbear has a a free plan, as does ProXPN. Uh, so th- those are great ones to get started with. Your bandwidth is somewhat limited, but it might be enough for you. So that uh, certainly, but if you're doing it from your home business, you're probably going to want someone, something with unlimited bandwidth and then, and, and you're going to want to pay a little bit for it, but it's not terrible. Here's the other thing you could do though. Um, Jeff Butts, who was on the show, what, two weeks ago wrote up, he's going to be killing it lately at TMO. It's awesome. He wrote up a, a piece about how to set up your own cloud hosted VPN service. Uh and this is cool because that now you can use it from home or remote or whatever, but it's yours and you can do it for free. If you set it up on an instance at Amazon's EC2 servers and the steps to set this up are very, very simple. It's, it's a, it's a VPN. Well, it's a configuration script that someone has named algo. Um, and, uh, and it's it, they say that it's named after Al Gore, the uh, the father of the internet, and so they're, they're, they're a little tongue in cheek. But um, but really, it's just sort of a very standard open source VPN package that's called uh, Strong Swan or something. But the Algo scripts make it very simple to configure this for either Amazon EC2 or DreamHost or a few others. Now, Amazon EC2 is free for a year up to 15 gigs of data. So, you know, depending on what you're using it for, you may or may not, um, that may not work for you, but you can also set up a dream host, uh, virtual server for five bucks a month. And so now you've got a VPN for you and all of your family and friends, if you want for f- for five bucks a month. So this algo thing is pretty cool. We'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. All right. So there's that, um, that's your own cloud-based VPN. It took me like five minutes to set it up. Really no big deal. But if you really want to be anonymous, let's go one step past VPN, John, and let's talk again about Tor. So Tor is called the onion router, and it doesn't just route your traffic through a VPN where in theory, someone could trace it back to you. It routes it through no less than three hops. And each hop doesn't know about the previous hops connections so once you get to the third one the third hop has no idea who you are it only knows about the second one the second one only knows about the first one and the first one only knows about you right so the the, this totally separates it It slows down your connection somewhat but if you want to be anonymous this is the best way i know of to do it it's not guaranteed there are ways to figure things out by looking at like if you if you use Tor and you logged into TMO servers, right? Well, I could say, okay, 
I know that you've logged into our server and I know the IP address from this exit node that, that you've connected through now, you know, if I was the NSA, which I, it, as far as you're concerned, I'm not, uh, you know, we could start looking at who's connecting into this tour system, but you don't know where the entrance node is. So you'd have to have some idea of who to target and see, you just start correlating. Okay. This person is connected over here. This person is logged into TMO over here. Very difficult to do. But if, if I were the NSA and I'm not saying I am, then that's one way that, uh, that you could, but otherwise it's really the, the best way to be anonymous. So how do you use Tor? Right, John? That's the question. There are a couple ways. Tor. How do you use Tor? Um, there are some routers that have Tor support built in. And so you, you run a Tor proxy on your router and then anything you route, you, you, anything you point at that proxy just automatically gets routed through Tor. The DD work open source firmware added a Tor proxy, uh, I think last year or maybe two years ago. So that's one option. If you have a router that can run that firmware and you want to run it. Um, another option is a piece of software called tails at tails.baum.org. Tails will let you, um, it create, it is a virtual machine that you boot from a thumb drive and, uh, and it has all of your stuff, but to connect to Tor, but nothing else. So there's no risk of, you know, you checking your email through this without realizing it and potentially exposing yourself, that sort of thing. So that's what Tails is for. Um, if you just want to browse with Tor, there is Tor browser for the Mac, and we'll put a link to that too. And that only anonymizes your browsing activity inside the Tor browser. Right. So, um, so, you know, limited, but, but relatively anonymous. Um, and, and that's for the Mac and, and other desktop platforms. Now, as far as iOS, Red Onion, there are several Tor browsers. I've tested a bunch of them. Red Onion is the, the one that I find uh, works best for me. And it's fairly simple to use. So Red Onion is, uh, is, is the one I like. I'll put a link to that. And that's, that's kind of like uh tour, you know, it's it just the browser. It's not anything beyond that. And we've mentioned this one before, but what if you want to connect your entire iOS experience via tour? Now that gets difficult, right, John, because you don't have the ability to, to control your entire network on iOS. You can't interfere with the network stack except you can with a VPN. And so the folks that make red onion make a product called black mesh and black mesh is, it sets itself up as a VPN and it connects you to Tor. And now all of your network activity goes across Tor, which is pretty smart and pretty cool. So, and you can check all this stuff out. Um, I think both, I know black mesh is free. I think red onion is free too. Um, and then, you know, I think there's, there's limits to what you can do with black mesh and, and you can, you know, buy more or whatever. So, so that's, uh, that's how to be really anonymous. That's my thoughts, but you, John, do you want to take us to Chuck and talk about the VPN benefits that go beyond data security? Yeah. All Chuck right, has so, a good question. Yeah. Well, he asked the question to you, but I answer it because I'm taking control here. It's what we do. <laughs> taking over, Rover. 
or move over a rope or whatever. <coughs> All right. But, um, are we, are we talking about Jimi Hendrix here? Could Did, be. Didn't he say that in fire? I think he did. All right. So Chuck says, I've heard you talk about VPNs on a few podcasts, and I've read about how you like to roll your own when it comes to setting up a VPN. I like the simpler approach and have tunnel bear free, but I'm testing out cloak since it automatically turns on. Here is the real question, though. Do I really need a VPN? I go to coffee shops to work, but they all have encryption on their Wi-Fi. In the FYI, if... You're logging into Wi-Fi and they ask for a password, then in all likelihood, that is uh, encrypted Wi-Fi connection. Um, if you're just connecting to Wi-Fi without providing a password, then that's probably public Wi-Fi and people can see that. Right. Um, and then he says, all my connections are HTTPS, which is a secure protocol. Yeah, right. Uh, and and, and encryption. Right. Right. And other work-related websites. So what would be in the clear? Even if I did connect to an open Wi-Fi network, what am I risking with HTTP, HTTPS almost everywhere? I know I need VPN, but feel I must be missing some critical piece of the puzzle. Um, and no, I think uh, my response would be, uh, yeah, if you're connected to Wi-Fi using a password, then that's encrypted, so you're cool there. And assuming all your clients, um, whatever software you're running, uses SSL or TLS which um, as far as he knows, they do, then that will be encrypted as well. Now, you it could be that you're running an app that is poorly designed and is not using a secure connection. So that that could be a risk. Yeah. Um, or maybe doing some sneaky stuff behind your back that you don't know about and it's not encrypted. So, um, but, but if you're sure that all your apps uh, are running HTTPS, then that's encrypted as well. So why does so my, he, why would he want to run a VPN then? Well, here's the thing. So you're protected in this case from people seeing your data, but there's another aspect to a VPN that some of them do and some of them don't. Like for example, the one that I roll my own, Dave, if I'm connecting to my Synology using VPN, then where I'm going can be seen by my ISP, Right. I see. So the aspect that just to crystallize this, because I think you glossed over, you, you teased us about it, but you didn't get there is that with even with with Chuck's secure connections, people can't see the data, but they can see what he's talking to. They can see he's talking to his bank or or his uh, email provider or whatever that is. It's obvious that he's talking to Citibank or Gmail or you know, whatever that is. And if he were to tunnel over a VPN, the people looking at that connection couldn't all, all they would see is that it's a VPN and, and maybe it's tunnel bear or, you know, whatever one he happens to be using. They, in order to see where he connects to, they would need to look at tunnel bears servers and see what's going out. And of course, if you have lots of people using it, then, um, then, you, you know, that's all aggregated and you don't really know, right. but to, you, to what you were saying, if you're hosting it at home, then your ISP gets to see what, you're connecting to because that's how this works. Right. So the potential additional benefit of using a VPN that you don't host yourself is that nobody will be able to see where you're going. Now, in, in this case, the people that host the VPN could. So for example, right. the tunnel bear people or whoever is offering what we'll call, I guess a, a cloud-based VPN. Yeah. So they can see where you're going, but they're good people. Um, 
Well, and they and will tell not- you what <laughs> what data they store. No, this is important. Like if you're looking for a VPN provider, check their FAQ. And I know that TunnelBear, they only store data about when you've connected and how long you're connected. And and if you're on the free plan, how much data passes across your connection because it I think you get 500 megs or a gig per month free and then after that, you know, they mm-hmm. they they stop you. But that's it. They don't store anything about where you've browsed. So even if they get a subpoena to say you need to tell me you know, uh, was, you know, Dave connected and talking to whatever Citibank at this point in time, they'd say, well, we don't, we don't know. We don't store that data. So that's an important thing to check. There's another, yeah. there's another, okay, go ahead. I mean, potentially. So say, you know, they show up and say, okay, well, we want to watch where Dave oh, Hamilton is well, going. That's different. Um, yeah. they, they could on uh-huh. the spot say it, but as you said, um, they don't store that data. Right. Um, and they shouldn't be storing that data because <laughs> right. you trust them. Right. But, so, um, but you need to look into that. And, and to be fair, this algo thing that I talked about, that is just, you're, you're just getting an, an instance, a virtual server is essentially what you're getting. And it's possible that Amazon or, or um, whatever to digital ocean or whoever else you might use for that virtual server is tracking the data that comes in and out. Like they don't have the policies that VPN providers do. This is just you getting a cloud box and installing your own VPN on it. But there is another benefit, John, to, uh, to having a VPN, even having one at home. And I was reminded of it this morning when my son texted me from China and, uh, and he was connected to our home VPN and texting me. No problem. Now I message, seems to work in China. He was connected to the Wi-Fi at the Beijing airport as they were uh, going through immigration and then customs and then, and then getting their connecting flight to go elsewhere in China. But uh, he said he couldn't get on Snapchat until he connected to the VPN because what's commonly known as the great firewall of China, uh, the government blocks a lot of social media and Snapchat's one of them. The ironic part is once he got connected to the VPN, so he was able to connect to our VPN here at the house. He was also able to connect to ProXPN, TunnelBear, Cloak, and our Algo server. So he tested all of them because, you know, that's what we geeks do. And, and our we the prodigy of our geeks does this too. Um, but uh, he, um, he was able to send me a Snapchat and Snapchat has a Beijing airport filter. So... <laughs> Yeah, right. You get the irony here. Like it's blocked. And yet if you get connected, sure, we've added a filter for you. (laughs) But uh, but so even having the VPN at home, very handy. And I, of course, mentioned before that he also uses a VPN. So does my daughter. And most of their friends use a VPN when they're at school because the school also blocks Snapchat. And I think Gmail, but that may have gone away now that the school uses Google Classroom uh, for a lot of stuff. So anyway, yeah. It's very it's so so there's many use cases. I use a VPN when I travel all the time just for for all of these reasons. But uh, but the kind of the security one is is the big one. But convenience, I know what's going to happen. I trust my DNS servers here at the house. Right. That's another one. You might you know, you might be connected to what appears to be a secure wireless network. It has a password, all of that. But it dictates your DNS. Even if you put in your own DNS server, 
you can, you know, filter that packet and sniff DNS and turn it around. Most home routers will let you do that. Uh, so they could, you know, start to hijack connections if they want. Use a VPN. Nope. I trust my what DNS I've chosen to use. And that that's another important one. So Right. Because, you know, actually, I think the last time I set up my Eero, Dave, well, well, I ran a name bench. Yeah. Which is a tool that can tell you your fastest. Mm. Um, yeah, your fastest name DNS servers. Server. Right, sure. And the last time I ran it, the fastest was actually my ISP. So I it's have that as my primary choice. Yeah. And the second fastest was an open DNS one. Right. So those are the two that I have plugged in right now. Yep. So, but you also know, in theory, that those are going to deliver you DNS lookups that you trust. And that's the key. So, yeah, as far as we know. Um, right. But that, <laughs> right. That, yeah. You got to trust the, um, somebody. Yeah. But yeah, if you're rolling your own uh, VPN, um, who you choose to do DNS, um, you want to consider carefully. Yeah. Speed may not be like in my case, speed is the most important. Sure. Yeah. But right. For some you, people, you pick, they may but, not trust their. Well, speed ISP. is the most important after trust. I mean, I, I think you've you trust your ISP and, and there's nothing wrong with trusting your ISP. But mm -hmm. uh, if your ISP were fastest, but completely untrustworthy, I don't think you would use them. Right. I mean, I think you would use somebody else that that actually delivered good DNS lookups mm -hmm. that you could trust. So, I mean, you know, but there's nothing wrong with trusting your ISP. Just know what you're doing. It's an eyes wide open scenario. Yeah. But depending yeah. on where you are, your ISP may be the government. Right. Right. Like, government. like China. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's very it was very interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Um, a, a quick follow up from show 651. When we talked a little bit about VPNs, Robin writes, he says in show 651, you mentioned the tiny hardware firewall as an added VPN layer. So your device never connects to the Internet before VPN is established. I have one of these things now, by the way, this tiny hardware firewall is cool. Um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to play with it a little bit more. But th this thing's pretty awesome. He says, uh, however, have you tried cloaks vpn it's available for ios and mac and of course we have uh, robin reminds us cloak can be configured to block all network connectivity on non-trusted networks until a vpn connection is established no hardware needed so that's a very interesting feature of cloak and um, and why you might want to choose them cloak they, those folks are doing a good job out there with the auto connection and really keeping it secure so thank you for the for the reminder robin this is good stuff all right, we have a little bit of time left. I want to. Um, you want to. You want to take us to Lionel, John. I like Lionel's question. Okay, go. So Lionel asks or says and asks. Well, he says coming up in a few weeks, I will be heading to Cambodia and Thailand. All right, that sounds like fun. Never yeah. Been. Um, <clears throat> Onyx has a feature. Onyx being one of our favorite. Mac Utilities that does all sorts of wonderful things. Onyx has a feature that allows you to hide either a drive or a folder from snooping eyes. Okay. <laughs> Will this function allow me to hide certain folders with sensitive data from the border authorities? Mm. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Because we've heard um, news reports about people coming in and at customs when you're not yet in the U.S., 
mm-hmm. having their devices, uh, you know, being being forced, essentially forced is the wrong word, but but it's efficient. So being forced to unlock their devices and turn them over to the authorities. And if you don't unlock your device, then you're detained and delayed and mm-hmm. know, bad things happen. So so. It sounds like Lionel wants to be able to unlock his device and have no fear about any sensitive data being mm-hmm. uh, winding up in the wrong hands. Yeah. So, um, and so he continues, the folder is still there, but it's invisible until you make it visible again through Onyx. Okay. Also, doesn't a browser VPN provide any protection? Does a browser-based VPN provide any protection at all from Wi-Fi snoopers? And thank you for all you do for the Mac community. You are welcome. So to answer your questions here. So I actually had never used the Onyx hide function. And so I checked it out. So you run Onyx, you go to utilities, you go to visibility, and there's a feature that hides a folder or a file in an application. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me go there and let me let me hide a folder. Yeah. And see how good it is. Well, sure enough, once I hit it, Dave, from the finder, it disappeared. So security by obscurity. Because it's Correct. still there. I mean, if you knew the where the folder was, you can go find it. That I mean, and, and well, Lionel would be able to find well, it. Well, that's what I did, is that I executed my mad hacking skills. And within a couple of minutes. Yeah. So the thing is, although it's invisible from the finder, so if that's what you're looking for, that you don't want a folder. Yeah, on quick glance, somebody's not going to see it. They're not going to see your folder title, you know. But if they clone whatever. your drive... Which, frankly, would be the easiest thing to do, right? I mean, if you if you say unlock your device and then they go and disappear with it for twenty minutes, the 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 simplest thing to do is to just clone the drive and then give you your device back, and now they can take their sweet time, right, and snoop through it. So, right. So I was able within seconds, Dave, yeah. to see that folder. Right. So I hopped into the terminal and I went to that folder and I did an ls and it showed up. Okay. So so. Uh, if you're dealing with a newbie that does is just doing a visual inspection, then yes, that that's sufficient. But, right. And I also was able within the finder itself, if I went to the finder and I said, go and go to folder, I typed in the path of that folder and I was able to get into it from the sure. finder. Sure. So, so it, uh, for a cursory inspection. Yes. But what I would recommend, Dave, I mean, the one thing I said, you know, at the very least you want to protect your machine with five vault too, but um, you know, and, and of course, password, you know, that password protects your machine and that you got to provide the password to get in. But if they insist that you give the password, then that's not going to protect you. Right. However, Dave, there's a tool that we saw um, introduced a, a couple couple of years ago. And I would recommend this if, if you have a concern here. And it's called Hider from our friends at MacPaw. And what this does, Dave, is that it hides, encrypts, and password protects your right. data. So not one, not two, but three features. And huh. if you if you want data to protect it from prying eyes, um, it introduces enough layers to protect your stuff. Where um, I, I think it's it's worth considering. They have a free trial, and it only costs nineteen ninety five. So. Um, if you want to hide your data, I, I would, I'd, I'd go with Hider over Onyx. All right? right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. Um, no, I I, I agree. 
Yeah, you would want to encrypt it. I mean, you could create an encrypted disk image too, uh, which is built into your Mac. It's not quite the the same simple user experience that Hider offers. No great surprise there, right? But it is there on your Mac. If you forgot to download Hider, well, you could use, you know, on the plane, you could use your disk image and, and go from there. So, yeah. Right. And yeah, in both yeah. cases, the thing is, so if they do, you know, if they're being especially Snoopy and they do clone your drive, um, when they try to get at that piece of data, it's going to ask for a password, which hopefully you're not going to give them. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Or it's going to be different from your system password. All right. Uh, huh. To the second question. And this was interesting. I hadn't, you know, we're talking about right, VPNs, I, Dave. I, I, I do have something to note. Now, Hyder mm. is made by Mac Paw, who makes Clean My Mac, but mm. they, they're also the ones that make Set App, right? Which is freaking awesome. Ten, oh, ten bucks yeah. a month, Netflix for apps, right? And there's, I think I checked yesterday, there's 73 apps in there. I assumed Hyder would be in there because it's a Mac Paw app. So why wouldn't it? It's not. So just FYI. Um, it, it, if you, yeah, and if we you did get a note up. from them. They they recently added a, uh, I guess you know, a, a search feature. Oh, to, this uh, is it's this is up. awesome um, in setup because yeah, now you can go on the website and look for the apps, and they've organized them into the. It's fantastic, actually. I, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of setup, and it, I'm using it constantly. I just found this thing in there called Fluid. John, do you use that? Mm-hmm. It's an Instagram client. Oh, sorry, not Fluid. Fluid's the other thing. That's Fluid's not in there, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Flume, F-L-U-M-E. Uh, it's an Instagram client for your Mac. It's actually really mm-hmm. cool. So anyway, I, I just wanted to talk Ooh. about the setup. Yeah, yeah. So, Sweet. Okay. Yeah. To the second question. Yes. I mean, I scratched my head over this. So I think what he was asking is if I'm using a browser-based VPN, is my traffic sent over an open Wi-Fi secured. And as far as I know, yeah. Well, the thing is, I actually had to look this up, Dave. I, I wasn't really familiar with the concept of a browser-based VPN, but apparently... Yeah, you can get them for... Safari, I don't think there are any, but but Chrome, no. certainly. Like, can, I did look, and so, for example, um, TunnelBear mm-hmm. offers a browser-based version of their product for, yeah, I think it's Chrome and Opera. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Archi- because yeah. I guess their architecture supports you writing a, a VPN plugin. Yeah, right. I, I searched also for Safari and I searched the extension. No, library Apple, Apple doesn't let you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the answer is yes, it'll protect your browsing. Um, but, you know, if you can, as we discussed, I'd, I'd go for a big boy uh, VPN uh, to protect all your traffic. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, without without running a system wide VPN you don't like if you if you happen to have mail open in the background, it's going to be checking for your email even while you're you know in your browser doing whatever stuff you have over the VPN, and so you've got this personally identifiable stuff potentially going over. Now, I mean, hopefully your email connection is also secured. Well, most, it should most yeah, are I mean, now. Yeah. It should be using SSL, right? But still, people are seeing. Oh, he's checking email, you know, and he hasn't an account at Fastmail or, or Yahoo, right, or whatever. I mean, or it's, NSA. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah, never check my. I never check my NSA email over an unsecure connection. John. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a good point. That is, is a that, true you know, statement, by the way. I never check my NSA email over an insecure connection. None of us do. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> and neither confirm nor deny that we check our NS. Yeah. Right. No, I can confirm. I never do it <clears throat> over an insecure connection. So actually no, one other thought for Lionel is, um, I mean, Hyder does this and that you can also, uh, put your sensitive stuff on an external drive and protect it. Um, you suggested as much with the encrypted disk image. Uh, what's the one, Dave? TrueCrypt, I think, is also another option. Um, in that the strategy here is that you store your sensitive data on a flash drive. And oh, maybe right. keep that in your pocket, and maybe they won't notice that you have it. So, so isolating your sensitive data onto an external drive, whether it be a flash drive or... Uh, an external hard drive, um, maybe another strategy. Yeah. Like for example, I have a, um, I get a USB, uh, let's see USB three drive on my keychain, and I've never had anybody, you know, fiddle with it. And now you need to put, you now you need to put a tiny hardware firewall on your keychain, man. I'm, I'm serious about this. It's pretty cool. You got to check this yeah, out. Yeah, I should check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, the nice I'll, thing is I'll that bring it down to you next the nice thing is that most people that make the the flash drives, like uh, this one, for example, that they do offer um, a security layer on it as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Fun stuff. Yeah, man. Well, this was uh, this was interesting. I think. And fun, but our time now is uh, has come to an end. We mentioned the NSA one too many times, I think, John. Don't yeah, you think? Hold on, yeah. somebody's knocking on somebody's the door at the door. Here. Don't, yeah, answer. Don't answer. <laughs> Don't answer. Don't answer. It. It's better. Uh, 224-888-GEEK is the phone number you can call. John Geek is forty three. 35? You can find us on Facebook. Visit macgeekgab.com slash Facebook. That will direct you directly to our Facebook group where we all answer each other's questions and uh, and participate there during the week when we're not here. Very, very good stuff. A great group to be a part of. We would love to have you. It's, of course, free and open to anyone. That's how we do it. But you got to be like, we have kicked people out for being spammy but you know we keep it clean we keep it we keep it productive that's that's what i'm gonna say uh our thanks of course to all of you for listening to all of our premium listeners that uh take care of things for us here uh to everybody that helps out the show notes everybody in the chat room at geekgab.com slash stream to cashfly c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y dot com for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you for our sponsors, as we mentioned during the show, Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash M-G-G, where you save 25 bucks off your first order from this awesome service. Really, really, like, personalized. It's so amazing. Anyway, uh, you got to check that out. Of course, our thanks to Harry's. We're at harrys.com slash M-G-G. You get that free uh, trial set of your razor and handle and gel and... Uh, even a travel cover. And of course, to Bitbucket, bitbucket.org slash for the code, where you get your free Git repository. Oh, let's see. What else do we have here? And of course, oh, oh yes, our other sponsors in the podcast marketplace, smilesoftware.com slash geek, otherworld computing at maxsales.com, and barebones software at barebones.com. All good people, all doing good stuff. It's good to have you. 
So, John, uh, today, well, today that the show is released is your birthday. And um, I think I think the, the theme of this show, more than any other episode that we've done, epitomizes that general advice that truly, I believe, is the best advice you could give anyone. And so my birthday wish to you is that you don't get caught. Happy birthday, my friend. Made up.